Home, a podcast about gender dynamics in film. I am B, and with me is Jay. Hi. Today we will be talking about the movie Almost Famous. Yay. Yes, a favorite of mine. Yeah, I, I, I like it. I, I've watched it a few times. I hadn't watched it for ages before I watched it for this time. Mm. So it was, it, I kind of feel like I saw it through a bit of a different lens this time. I watched this movie a lot as a young teen. Mm-hmm. I lived off the soundtrack for a very long time. Very good soundtrack. Yep. Yeah, I actually had to stop watching for a little bit and just listen to the soundtrack. <laughs> I got all nostalgic and was singing yeah. in my living room, my poor neighbours. I hadn't watched this movie for a really long time. Considering how often I actually used to watch it, this was one I would easily like watch again and again and again yeah so I hadn't watched it for quite some time and I agree I've gone in and I don't know if I went in looking at it differently because of this podcast or if it's actually because I've grown myself I think it's Um, both both. yeah I see the characters I saw them a, a lot differently than how I had previously seen them yeah, I agree. I agree. Yeah. So it was different viewing it this time for the first time in a very long time. Um, so Almost Famous came out in 2000. Oh, my Lord. Which is a very long. <laughs> one years ago. That just sounds so long ago. Um, I actually learned something new when I was doing a little bit of reading up on the film, um, that it is actually a semi autobiography autobiographical film oh interesting so the writer and director Cameron Crowe was actually a teenage writer for Rolling Stone magazine cool so a lot of the film is based on his experiences touring with bands like Led Zeppelin Eagles and Leonard Skinner cool Um, and he too during this time fell in love lost Mm -hmm. his virginity and met a lot of his musical heroes so awesome. I thought that was kind of cool I guess that maybe brought a different dynamic to the film as well I don't remember it being as long as it was but I think it was because I had to like maybe really analyze it so yeah <laughs> a lot of pausing and writing and so many notes and yeah a lot of repeating so mm-hmm. um but I did really enjoy watching it again Mm-hmm. Um, if you do, you want to give the background for this movie? Yes. So, ah, yes, almost famous. So we've got William, who uh, is being raised by a single mum who, let's say, likes to keep her hold on him pretty damn tightly. Yep. Uh, she kind of holds his older sister a bit too tight, and she just flies the coop. And in the start, uh, because it's just too much for her. 
But instead of just sort of towing the line, which he does for the most part, but he loves music and it's kind of a gift that his sister has given him as she left was this gift of music and he loves music. And, yeah, as you said, he gets a job. Um, He's only 15. He gets a job writing for Rolling Stone and he goes on tour with Stillwater, I think they're called, aren't Mm -hmm. they? Stillwater, Mm -hmm. the band, who I guess they're not uh, from what, because they're a fictitious band, we can sort of, we, we we can't really compare them to anyone. So I don't think that they were huge, but they were big enough that they would have been like supporting acts for other big bands, I feel. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And he, yeah, he goes on tour with them and he, it really is a coming of age movie. He really learns a lot about the music industry and about people and about the way that, yeah, gender dynamics works. I think he learns a lot about that. <laughs> uh, <Yeah. laughs> what a place to learn it. Um, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I guess um for me when I first watched this movie years and years ago when I was a teenager too, um it was like I loved it. Like it was just a really yeah. beautiful, it's a really beautiful movie. It's really well shot and I think and, so, yeah. Yeah, it makes you really nostalgic and not necessarily for the music that um you know was in our era when we grew up, but like more that our parents listen to so therefore because yeah. we did still grow up listening to it in in a different way but yeah watching it this time definitely through an adult lens uh and was still loved it still think it was a beautiful movie but was a little bit horrified by a few parts in it as well so yeah definitely <laughs> like I'm thinking about it now and being like holy crap he was 15 years old and he like, was not equipped. He was not equipped. Like, to deal with no, what- and I think to like when I was 15 years old and I was probably watching this movie when I was 15 years old. Yeah, probably. And was like, oh, this is so cool and how awesome. And I guess, well, actually, yeah, probably around 15 years old was when I sort of changed my music taste where I actually became more about the type of music being played in this film, which is probably what drew me to the film. Because mm-hmm. I went through, I had younger parents growing up, so I was very exposed to the type of music that they listened to, predominantly 80s, although my dad and my uncle in particular had a very big love for all t- uh, t- uh, types of music. So I was exposed to a lot of the you know, 70s as well. Mm -hmm. And yeah, I just, I think it was that sort of turning point for me where I went from being that little teeny bopper, loving the Spice Girls and Backstreet Boys and all those pop bands who I still love. Yeah, (laughs) I still love them too. I mean, give me some 90s pop and I'm I'm, (laughs) I'm happy. But I really started discovering different music probably around the time that this film came out, which is why I'm really drawn to it and why I had to stop and just listen to the soundtrack which I did used to own on CD Mm -hmm. when CDs were a thing now I've got my record player and I'm seriously contemplating on finding the almost famous soundtrack on record because I feel like just I need it to complete my collection yeah to complete my life (laughs) who are we kidding um yeah so it really we'll do a little bit of a I guess we'll do a bit of an introduction into the characters for those of you that haven't haven't seen the film or Go have see seen it if you have first then come back maybe yeah <laughs> but anyway. um there's quite a few well-known people that start in this film 
some really big names, some big names for back then, not so much now, and some, I guess, some names that are still quite quite well known. Mm-hmm. Um, you start. We'll start with William. So William Miller, he's the young 15-year-old boy. He is he's sweet and innocent. He's very um, yes. Very sheltered and very smart. He was kept not kept back. What am I saying? Sorry. He was moved, he was put ahead one grade, but then it turns out he was actually moved ahead two grades. So yeah. when he's in high school, he's wondering why he's like not hitting puberty and so much smaller than all the other boys. It's because he's actually 11, not turn 13, turning 14, which <laughs> yeah. is actually quite a one of the funny scenes in the movie. He has you sort of at the very opening scenes in the start of the movie, you see him as a very young boy and you can see how close he is with his mother. Mm-hmm. Um, his, the, the dad's not around. He died. He had a heart attack. So it's him and his mum and his older sister. And he's just so tied to his mum, probably because, well, it's his mum and he doesn't have his dad. And I feel, like the, mom, I feel like the mum who was very well played by Frances McDormand oh brilliant Uh, she is a great actress but she captured I think that whole very uh intelligent she's an academic herself mother she wants her kids to be really academic and following in her footsteps and she just I think that she has this life mapped out for him and this is the way definitely does yeah, this is the way he needs to live his life. Yeah. It's very cookie cutter. It's very like, this is what I've decided you're going to be. And I think she just fails to let the kids' individuality shine through from that. Yeah. It is yeah. not allowed to have their own thoughts and feelings oh, and no, be into the right things. And and I yeah. guess they kind of rebel in their own way. So his, his older sister, she just, just takes off when she turns yeah. 18, like, see ya, that's it, I've had yeah. enough of that. Whereas he sort of like is still trying to do the right thing by her throughout the whole film, but but also really wants to pursue this passion of his, which is for music. So, yeah. Yeah. It's really the dyna- the relationship between him and his mother versus the relationship between his mother and his sister is obviously very different mm-hmm. for different reasons. As we said, Frances McDormand, yeah, like you said, she is a intellectual. She teaches college, university, something it's like that. Like she's a uni lecturer. Yeah. yeah, I think she's a lecturer. She did make, she does mention that she used to teach elementary school. So she's done all sorts. And she sort of, she never used to annoy me that much. She always sort of just made me laugh. But I guess what looking at her, looking at her now, watching her now, I was just a bit like, oh my gosh, woman, back up, back yeah. up. Yeah, like more than I've ever really sort of ever been w- watching this movie. I think um, when uh, when it came out and we were younger ourselves, we just sort of saw it as, oh, well, look, this story is about William rebelling and he's going to rebel no matter what she says. Yeah. So she's kind of, you know, innocuous and she's not that threatening and that because he's just going to do what he wants anyway. But yeah. now we see it through a lens of, oh, my goodness, lady, you could actually really screw your kid up by having this sort of interaction with him. And I guess that is like a form of dynamics, like gender slash parental dynamics too, in that, you know, people quite often do try and control so much of their children's lives that they do just go the complete opposite way just to sort of break away from it. Most definitely. Um, I can think of people that I've seen do that with their children. I literally Um, know a few. Yeah. <laughs> then you've got Anita. She is played by Zoe Deschanel, who yep. I really liked in this movie. Yeah. I didn't I realize find it was her. her. 
Yeah, I know. Very young. Quite, I kind of find her like I love her, but I hate her sort of thing. She's very, um, she plays sort of the same character. In she does, but I yeah. just found this character a little bit more tolerable than some yeah. of her later characters in her later yeah. roles. Not as goofy. Um, so I do quite like her in this film. Um, and she's the sister that is going to rebel and inevitably leaves. She's in the start of the film and then she's not in anything until the very <laughs> end. So um, yeah. she plays like such an important vital role at the start and then like at the end it sort of ties it all back in together like it was quite well done. But mm. there's just this giant scene where like there's a huge part of the film where she's not there. um then we have Lester Bangs so I love this character Philip Seymour Hoffman oh yes he's great in everything he does who and honestly like we lost a great actor yeah if you have not seen the roles that this guy has done a lot of people don't realize what an amazing actor he actually is. We mm-hmm. lost him in 2014. He was only 46, so that was really shit. Mm-hmm. But this, I think, is definitely up there with one of his best roles. He just does it so well. It's very understated but very effective. Yeah. And the role he actually plays as far as mentoring William is yeah. good. Yeah. Because I think that the fact that William doesn't have that father figure uh, mm. in his life, like he does search for those other people out there to help him out with that. Yeah. Um, you know, he wants that sort of leadership and mentorship and it's really good that he can actually do that. And he gets it from this guy that has the same passions as him. So they love music and they love writing about music, but they're also the outcasts. So yeah. Lester sort of is, I guess, in a way an idol to him because he is so obviously the outcast, like when he, when he was a child when he was a teen he would have been the nerdy guy the outcast but now he's this famous um rock critic yep so he yeah like he's living it yep yeah and he's just it's just so good um I love the scene where he's like being interviewed where we first meet him in the film and the way he's like dancing around in the radio studio to um Iggy Pop. Yep. <laughs> I just love the dance. <laughs> it's great. Yep. Then there's Penny Lane, the band, band aid, band support. Band aid, the love interest in the film. Yeah. Um, <laughs> all of that. Yeah. Played by interest. Yeah. Which at the time, and still, what am I saying? At the time, still does suit Kate. The role suits Kate to a T because she's only been with musicians. <laughs> Yeah, true. So her first husband and father, child of her first, the father of her first child was from, I think, the Black Crows, like who were the modern day at the time were like Led Zeppelin wannabes, basically. So the 2000s. Then when they broke up, she went um, and had a child with the lead singer. I don't know. I can't remember his name of the Muse. They were engaged as well, but that didn't go forward. And now she's had a third child. I'm not making Kate sound very good, but, I mean, I love Kate Hudson, with another musician. So, like, this role was made for her. She kind of pissed me off a bit this time round. Really? Like, she was pissed. I don't know. She didn't piss me off, but it was just times where I was like, that's not fair. <laughs> like, like some of the 
some of the things that she, like the way she treated William. Yeah. She knew, she knew he fucking liked her. I think that um, William and Penny had mm. quite a uh, symbiotic relationship. They, they needed each other for different reasons. So William mm. needed her because she was sort of the in with the band. Um, she obviously had a history with them and they wanted her there. So if he was there with her, then that was his in. But mm. she needed him too because he was her excuse for being there because she did have that history. She couldn't just come up and say, oh, I want to go tour with mm. you guys. It was more, mm. no, no, I'm going to come along and I'm going to make sure that William's okay, um, you know. Oh, and- they t- touch on this in one of the, the yeah. earlier scenes, you know, you're the reason she's here. Like. Yeah. Exactly. Um, so yeah, I think that they kind of they had they had a, a you know a way of sort of benefiting each other. I, I like watching their relationship grow, their friendship grow. Yeah. Um, but there were just some times where I, I really felt for William, I guess. And then there were some times where I looked at it differently now, where I actually could see that Penny was actually quite vulnerable. She was 16. And- she was like chasing this 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 thing, this person, this relationship that was never going to happen. Never going to happen. Like, and probably shouldn't have happened because she was bloody sixteen, and she'd known them. Was she actually sixteen? Yeah, she was sixteen, and she'd known them since the year before. So she had been fifteen when she yeah. was traveling with them the previous year. So yeah, I just saw vulnerability in her character yeah. this time around, and you know, I tried to sort of work out what she was getting from it. Um, and I think that, you know, you probably if you look back in her home life, it probably was a bit questionable as, questionable as well. She was clearly, They talk about her mother. They don't really talk about her father. Yeah, that's right. it. She so, had a father figure here, figure there. Yeah. I guess I take back what I was saying about how she pissed me off. She didn't piss me off. There were just some moments where I was like, yeah, I just didn't like what she did in certain situations. Yeah. Then we have Russell Hammond, who was played by Billy Crudup. Crudup? I never know how to say his name. I tend to say Crudup, but I think it's Crudup. And I have to say, when I first was watching this movie many years ago, I just thought he was the hottest thing ever. And I remember, like, getting excited to watch it again, thinking, oh, yeah, he was so hot in this movie. Oh, my God, he looked like somebody sleazy friggin' drug addict uncle who like gets you to sit on his lap at family dinners like <laughs> it's, gross. it's the 70s yeah but he looked so gross so gross um, and I just thought he's got to be at least in his 30s and he's this 16 year old girl that's just fawning over him it was really gross in my mind yeah at the time I also really used to like watching this other random arty farty movie that he was in called Jesus Son, which okay. had I can't even remember who else who else was in it, and I can't even really remember why I like the film because now that I think back at it, it was it was very drug orientated yep. film. It was all about taking drugs, and it was very weird. But I really liked it, and I really liked him as an actor. Mm-hmm. Um, he was kind of a big deal at the time. I'm pretty sure he used to be married to Claire Danes, maybe. Yeah, he did the dirty on her. I think. Did yeah. yeah. Yeah, that's not yep. good. But yeah, I just it was just quite funny how much my um the way that I saw his character in this movie changed over the last 20 yeah. years. Yeah. Then we have probably one of the other remaining big names of the film. Um I don't the character Jeff Bebe. <laughs> Bebe. 
Bebe, um, Baby, Bebe, I don't know. But Jeff, the lead singer of Stillwater, played by Jason Lee, who I adore. Yeah, like, I just love Jason Lee. Uh, for those that don't know Jason Lee, he's Earl from My Name is Earl. Oh, yeah. He's also quite a good photographer as well. Okay. As a um, I basically think that's what he does now is just photography. Okay. Yeah, he was good. Um, I liked his character. He seemed to have a little bit more substance to him than Russell. Yeah, I feel like, yeah, Russell was just a hot mess, really. Um, <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> Russell needed to exist to piss people off. Yeah, I think so. He was like a, a plot tool. Yeah, he definitely was. <laughs> um, then just to quickly sum up the others, there's Larry Fellows, um, the character Larry, who's the bass player in the band, um, Ed Ballancourt, who is the drummer, um, uh, Dick Roswell, um, who's the band manager. Noah um, Taylor. Yeah, Noah Taylor. Yep. Yeah, I was like, when I, I actually wrote it down, I was like, Noah Taylor. <laughs> um what else has he been in so many australian things yeah yeah i was like he's australian yeah i used to watch him in heaps of australian movies before he went over to america when i was a kid and i used to love him back then the his character was like a a pretty good character i did like his character in this like yeah he was kind of a dick yeah but kind of like but you know you have to be a dick to be a band manager yeah and we have uh palexia Polexia. <laughs> Aphrodisia, one of the band-aids. Yep. So these are just the key band-aids. Yeah. Um, who was played by Anna Paquin. Oh, our favorite one. Yep. Um, Sapphire, who was played by Ferugia Bork. I love her. Who is eccentric Probably. in this film yep. and is also in the movie The Craft, and she's eccentric in that movie as well. I think she is in general. She's an artist yep. as well. So yeah. And then there's Estrella Star, who is um, played by she's she's in the start and she pops in again now and then, but she sort of just hangs around in the start and then you don't see her much. But that's played by Bijou Phillips, who yep. father was in is, is someone. Her father is someone from in the music industry in real life. Mothers, mamas and the papas is where they're from. Mamas and the papas, which have their own weird backstory weird yeah there's a lot of weird stuff going on with those weird incest stuff going on there yeah um and by all accounts from what i've heard and what i've read about bijou however you say her name is she's kind of a spoiled little brat and was actually not very nice well it was her sister that was apparently in an incestuous relationship with her father relationship but yes an incestual situation with her father Yeah. yeah yeah so Basically, those those are your main characters. So the opening scene is pretty much this is the seventies. It's very quickly established what kind of mother Elaine is. The sister Anita comes home and there's a door. There's a, a bell on the door. She knows when you're coming home, and like as soon as she walks in the door, she like rushes over and like, um, where have you been? Who have you been with? You've been kissing someone. She's like, how do you, what? How do you know that? She's like, I can tell. No, you can't tell. Not only can I tell, I know who it was with. And then she just put <laughs> some name. Um, and then she's hiding a, and this one just makes me giggle. She's hiding a um, a record under her jacket. She's like, what are you hiding under your jacket? She's like, nothing. She's like, what are you hiding? 
And so she like pulls it out of her jacket and it's a Simon and Garfunkel record. <laughs> and you're not allowed to bring that into the house because it is, you can't listen to that rock and roll because it's just about drugs and sex. And I'm like, it's Simon and Garfunkel. It's not rock and roll. <laughs> like if your daughter was maybe bringing home Black Sabbath or Led Zeppelin, maybe I'd be a little bit more understanding, but it's Simon and Garfunkel. That's like chill out music. And this is where like you, <laughs> she, she sort of like goes on her rant. Like we can't listen to rock and roll. First you ban butter, sugar, white flour, motorcycles. We can't even celebrate, celebrate Christmas. We have to celebrate it in September. So it's not commercialized. Yeah. Um, and they have a big sort of row. And <laughs> one of my favorite scenes is when she swears at her and, says feck you to her room um and she's like it finally happened she said the f word and young William at this point is like not really (laughs) I think she said feck what's the difference the letter u um a very sort of sweet and innocent scene uh but basically that just that's the first scene and you just you get the vibe of what she's like as a mother very controlling and I don't think it's coming from a bad place. It's coming from a way of she wants to, I guess, protect them, but she's just doing it in such an overbearing way. Mm-hmm. Then the uh, next scene, one of the next scenes that I think was um, another good scene and quite important was when you sort of like she keeps her, she puts her son the grade above and he knows that. So he thinks he's a year younger, but turns out she's actually put him two grades above above and she keeps this from him so like she's lying to him about his age which I just think is not okay and she just comes up with all these crazy things like you know adolescence is a marketing tool and you know who puts such a high price on being typical you're unique you know take that extra time that you have to go you know, travel Europe and figure out who you are. And meanwhile, inside I'm laughing going, you're like so incredibly overbearing. You're not going to let your child go to Europe. Yeah. Like, no, that's not going to happen. And then um, she's like, you know, you can take that time off, but you, you know, you'll still be the youngest lawyer in the country. So she, like you were saying, she literally has this whole thing. Basically after this, Anita leaves. She's like, I'm leaving you need to listen to the song. This explains why I'm running away to become a stewardess, which I just think is so funny for some reason. Um, she's going to go out into the big wide world and become a stewardess. Nothing against stewardesses, but it just, it just sounded, it seems so funny. And this, I think, was a really big sort of turning point for William because his only probably outlet into the real world not this sheltered world that his mother has created was was leaving so it was just going to be him and his mum mm-hmm. um, at this point he was only 11 years old so you know he was going to be stuck with her on his own for quite some time um, and there's a really sweet moment where I just really liked it where he sort of he's trying to be cool with the boyfriend that she's leaving with where he's like take 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 care of my sister man like trying to <laughs> yeah yeah and he's like uh yeah righto (laughs) but you can see sort of trying to be a bit more masculine and yeah and I guess he doesn't have that role in his life this sort of this scene is like the turning point for him so his sister leaves and she's like (laughs) she's like one day 
you'll be cool, <laughs> which I don't really buy. Um, and then she's like, look under your bed. It will set you free. So he goes in his room and he looks under his bed and she's left it all um, left him all of her records, all that devil music. And we're talking like Led Zeppelin, Jimi Hendrix, Cream, Joni Mitchell, The Who. And there's this whole thing where she's like, that she's left a little hand-scribbled note in the um record of the who uh tommy listen to tommy with a candle burning and you will see your entire future and then he starts doing that and then it sort of skips a whole bunch and goes into him as a 15 16 year old mm-hmm. 15 year old yeah. um it's now 1973 so now we're in 1973 we've skipped a whole bunch of years he is 15 years old. He's been listening to his records for a solid few I wonder days. how he was, given that his mum was so strict about it. Like, I wonder how he was, like, getting some alone time with his music. Yeah, I I feel like when you look at the mum's role and how she, I feel like she trusts him more. Maybe he wore and, it down. Yeah, and I feel like she was also scared of losing him as well. Yeah, I think a lot of something. (laughs) Yeah, like I think she plays down the fact that her daughter leaving actually really hurt her. Yes. Um, I really do think her character plays it down, and she starts to, in the later scenes in the movie, actually acknowledge, like, you know, that that's happened and why has it happened and what's wrong with me. Mm -hmm. Whereas, and I think she just trusts him a bit more. But also this element of like, I have to give him some freedom, otherwise I literally will be alone. At least she's got that insight into things. Yeah, yeah. And that's great because many parents wouldn't. I think she's smart enough to know that she can't stay that way and be that way. So we're in 73, we're meeting Lester Bangs. We're learning about William sort of, he's still this nerdy guy, but he's sort of really going down this music path where he really loves listening to his records writing about his records he's been like writing for some underground magazine or something like that so he meets with Lester and they just sort of have this this bonding relationship Lester's character again just a character I really loved he has that cool guy vibe about him like oh well you know it was lovely meeting you but I I can't stand here and talk to my fans all day yeah like but he's the only one there (laughs) yeah so he they they bond they can relate to each other, being the outcasts, having the same interests. And he sort of, yeah, like you said, becomes his mentor. And and this is where, you know, he's like, all right, well, thousand words, Black Sabbath. And he goes to, amazingly, his mum lets him go to a Black Sabbath concert based purely on the fact that it's it's research. It's, you know, of course. Yeah, yeah. And she's like, as long as this is just a hobby, as long as it's just a hobby, no, no, nothing can take you away from your true goal of being the youngest lawyer in America. Yeah, yeah, your true true goal. <laughs> yeah, basically. Yeah, so he goes to this Black Sabbath concert and this is sort of where we go from it being about the family to being all about the music um, and basically the band and the band-aids um cannot call them groupies band-aids i love that we're introduced to the uh band-aids in in this scene and they set it up very early on in the piece that they're not groupies so that we can see them as the the usual type of stereotypical groupies they're you know (laughs) and it's like only blowjobs. <laughs> yeah, that was one of the things that uh, Bijou, Bijou or Estrella star did say. Which is completely untrue, but yeah. Yeah, you know, 
he, she's like, show some respect. This is Penny Lane. You know, <laughs> she had a school for band-aids. She's the one that said no more sex, only blowjobs. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So he very early on meets the band-aids. He, you know, he goes to call them groupies and there's this awkward moment and that's when Penny Lane steps in and he, she's like, you're not what? You're not one of what? What, what are you going to call us sort of thing? Yeah. Um, he's trying to get backstage and he's not having any luck. He yeah. ends up meeting Stillwater. So the band, this whole movie sort of based around. They are like basically straight up like, no, you're a journalist. You're the enemy. So he's known as the enemy because uh, journalists pretty much can make or break bands. But I love how he plays to their egos in order to win. And he does. He does it very well. They're like, we play for the fans. And this is the whole thing about Stillwater. Like they're trying to play this whole cool thing. We're not here for the fame, the money. We're here for the fans. We're here for the music. No, you're not. Like you want to be famous, you want the women, yep. you you want to, yeah, yeah. Maybe it started out about the music, but it hasn't been about the music for a long time. But he wins them over, like you said, like he when they kind of turn around and go, We're here for the fans, not the not the um journalists, he then caters to their egos and starts talking about, you know, this album, this album, this album, you were great your guitar playing, blah, blah, blah. And then they like pretty much swoon over him because they he strokes their egos. Yeah, exactly. Easy to do. Just stroke the ego of the man and they're happy. He sort of meets everyone, sort of cements his his place in there. And they all sort of, I think they they see him, they see him as the enemy, but they also can see that he is very young and naive, I guess. So I guess he, they sort of feel for him as well. I and think so. I think that it's in the beginning it is more about Penny though and the fact that those two sort of have that connection and I think later on down the track they sort of get to know him better and and, and really actually like having him around. But in the early days it's just all about, oh, okay, well, maybe she'll come if this kid comes. And Yeah. Oh, yeah. no, most definitely. Yeah. Um, oh, we forgot one of the key things when his mum drops him off though yeah so she has this little whistle oh yeah get his attention so she goes to drop him off and she like has this whistle and he hops out the car and she whistles at him and he turns around because he's like oh yeah what does she want don't take drugs (laughs) and there's all these other kids around and they're like don't take drugs (laughs) and she's just like completely embarrassed him in front of yeah she's so clueless yeah 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 and like straight away as soon as she says it she's like oh gosh I messed up (laughs) yeah like I'll give her character some credit like she knows what she's done she knows how ridiculous she is yeah yeah <laughs> yeah so this continues on he's sort of cemented his way in this is like a um Penny's little spiel I it always stuck with me and I always loved it and I always you know wished I could be this sort of girl that could think this way but then mm-hmm. I can't because I'm just so emotional and it was I always tell the girls to never take it seriously. If you never take it seriously, you never get hurt. If you never get hurt, you always have fun. And if you ever get lonely, just go to the record store and visit your friends. Yeah. And like as a young girl, I always sort of was like, yeah, that's great. <laughs> and then I'd get my heart broken. <laughs> yeah. 
because I take everything far too seriously in life. Yeah, you learned Um, nothing really. (laughs) Yeah, I learned nothing and I still haven't. One question I have is like, a group is still a thing, do you think? Like, is that, that a thing that happens? I mean, I'm sure that they've got women and stuff backstage with them and that, but in the sense of these these people just following bands around the entire country and, you know, just becoming part of the entourage sort of thing, I wonder if that's a thing that still happens. I do not know. Mm. I don't think it would ever be in the same way. Mm. I think these days, look, I'm going to go with no, just because times have changed and it's just too dangerous for any singer any band member pop star whatever to have any sort of relationship with anyone because everything is monitored now yeah like i mean it happened with bieber yep he bloody what he's the father of my child all of those sorts of ones yeah like she's yeah, too hard careful i'm sure it still happens but i feel i i imagine it being more of a not the same girls over and over and it's more of like a uh get your entourage to go and pick you out some ladies for that night sort of situation and also um every now and then it pops up with like you know some d-grade actor or d-grade musician or insta fluence or whatever who thinks they're a big deal and and they get caught out um because they're underage so yep that's yep. the other big thing as well yep. the whole underage thing like is not okay now not yep. that it should have ever been okay then yeah, but I mean, it it it. You read so many stories. I mean, look at Elvis and his wife. What was, was that? Like Fourteen when they met. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then even after that, like, look at Stephen Tyler, mm. David Bowie. It was a thing back then. It was a thing, and it was not okay. But it was a different time. At the time, it was more acceptable in it some was. circles, but really not acceptable in others, which was interesting. No, it was actually Probably the divide in opinions was a lot greater back then, but yeah, uh, yeah. it still happened. Yeah, but anyway, yeah. So they're on the road. They he manages to get he his snags. Gig. Yeah, he snags this gig with Rolling Stone, which is amazing. And they're like, lying oh. about who he is. <laughs> yeah, by lying about who he is, they have no idea that he's fifteen year old, hasn't even yeah. graduated high school yet. He's going on the road um, and Rolling Stone magazine are paying for everything. So yeah. he's literally part of the entourage. Yeah, all he's got to do, all he's got to do is get a uh, interview out yeah. of Russell. Like, Russell. So he's, he's got Russell. the interviews with everyone else. Yeah, that's it. He just needs to get this interview to write Russell his story. He needs and to get this interview from Russell. He just can't hold it down. Is the mystique. He's the mysterious yeah. one. He's also um, the like pure id one, like, you know, oh, I just do what I want sort of thing guy. He yeah, doesn't really yeah. consider what other people want or want, need out of him. He just sort of does yeah. whatever he needs to do in that moment. Yeah. Amazingly, Elaine is allowing him to do this. The tour starts. They go on the road. They're in the bus, the band and the band-aids. This is where I think you start to see a bit more of the male characters and their dynamics and the insecurities that the men are having um mm-hmm. particularly within the band yes um, they are very insecure nobody really oh yes they are very... the dynamic because i think you've got a situation where it's supposed to be well you know this lead singer and the backup guitar guy and all this but it ends up being that russell's shenanigans just take over everything and he becomes yeah. the central focus yeah it doesn't yeah. go down well 
No, it doesn't. Basically now till I guess sort of the the climatic part of the film, they're just on tour. So there's so many scenes to talk about, but we obviously can't talk about them all. I think that we can sort of round it up by looking at the relationships. Yeah, yeah. What's happening on tour. And I think that probably a really important relationship is between Russell and William. And I think that although it is sort of a um, reciprocal arrangement in that William's going to write, got to write this story. So he needs the information of Russell. Russell's going to become even more famous by getting a cover on Rolling Stone magazine. So it is reciprocal, but he just can't pin Russell down. Um, and so ends up basically caretaking him for the entire tour and yeah. just following him around and making sure he doesn't get into too much trouble and, and yeah. trying to, you know, mitigate the damage as well for poor Penny, who reckons that she doesn't want to get feelings and get hurt, but he's completely in love with Russell. Yeah. Um, you know, and he's and and William's got this beautiful relationship, a friendship with her, and he doesn't want to see her get hurt. And yeah, so he's just basically running around putting out fires the entire yeah. tour, I think. So basically, at the start, it's sort of like just the band-aids, and they're sort of everyone's with everyone except Penny Lane and Russell. It's like this unspoken thing that Penny Lane oh, stuff has happened. Belongs. But yeah. yeah, yeah. Penny Lane belongs to Russell. Yeah. All the other band-aids, you can do whatever you want with them, but Penny Lane is for Russell. Yeah. You know, we don't know, we don't really hear much about her. We don't it meant it's mentioned in some scenes, but at the end is when we meet Leslie, which is Russell's girlfriend, yeah. current girlfriend, ex-girlfriend, wife, um, separated. I, I don't know. They, yeah. they never really touch on it. Yeah. But they are very much together. Yeah. He's just going off with Penny Lane and they're very much acting like as if they're almost a couple. And you were saying how, you know, William is the caretaker of him, but Penny Lane is almost the caretaker of Russell as well. And he she needs everyone to caretake him. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And you start to see the little look, like from Jeff, the singer, the little looks and the little glances that he gives to Penny Lane, that he gives mm. to Russell, and and vice versa. You see um, Russell giving them to him as well, and you can see this sort of man-off sort of trying to happen, like yeah. who's the king, who's the boss here? I think that um, William almost is, is peeved because he's never really had like a grown-up male figure, you know, and he, he almost looks to that with Russell but the fact that he's a complete toddler himself yeah and, and William ends up having to babysit him the whole time I think mm-hmm. that's really disappointing to William as well yeah and he's also with the girl that he is in love with yeah he's in love with yeah exactly and he can see exactly. yeah how shitty he's treating her yeah oh gosh can... let's let's talk about how the bands treat the groupies or the band-aids I should say so they're in a bus. Here's one example. They're in a they're in the tour bus and they're driving along and someone's like, "Look, there's high school girls." Oh, I know. I was like, what? Yeah, and again, back to this: age doesn't matter, and age doesn't yeah. mean anything. The younger the we're better. We're rock stars. The younger the better. Yeah, and they're all like drooling over these high school girls, like running as part of their phys ed in the middle of nowhere. My gosh! Uh-huh. And it was just I was like, no, no, yeah, no. It was wrong. It was wrong. <laughs> And one of the comments was, you can't stop the bus anytime you see a young girl in shorts. Yeah. I'm so like, gross. wrong, wrong, wrong. I think that they, is wrong. 
I think the worst scene for me as far as that dynamic goes was when they're playing poker later on in the movie. Yeah. And they just end up basically selling these their Band-Aids off as commodities. Like, yeah. you know, give me a carton of beer and I'll give you three groupies. Like, yeah. you know. 50 bucks and a carton of Heineken. You yeah. get three Band-Aids, including the famous Penny Lane. That's it, which is a ploy yeah. just to get rid of her before the girlfriend. Exactly, exactly. But still, it's um, like, oh, my gosh, women as property. It's like, okay, these girls are obviously yeah. on some level loving what they're doing. They're loving hanging out with the famous guys and getting in on the rock and roll scene and that. And so, you know, it's not completely without some sort of a reward for them, but they're so young and they just don't understand, like, what exactly is going on. I hope that one day they look back and think, holy crap, like, what the hell was I doing? But you know, who knows? Maybe they and I think this generation of sort of the 70s, I guess you were it was still like the, the free love and that sort of thing. So I think there was some sort of innocence left to it still. Yeah. Like there was some sort of well, it was free, wasn't it? Like yeah, they yeah. did what they sort of wanted. Versus take it into the next decade in the 80s and you hear the stories coming out about like what Motley Crew and stuff. Oh, did. yeah, that was next Holy level. Holy hell. Like that's next level. And yeah. I've like seen former groupies from the 90, the 80s era interviewed and I'm like, oh, love. Like yeah. you are messed up. Whereas I guess the 60s and 70s really was this coming of age, this free love, this social yeah. movement behind it. So yeah, and I think that's what makes it acceptable as a movie. Like yeah, if it had it been set in the 80s where things were a little bit more crazy, mm. it may not have been as easy. Because I, I mean, I mm. watched this movie for the first time in 15 probably years and thinking wow when I first watched this movie I never really picked up on all this stuff because it is so beautifully done as a movie and the relationships mm. and that that you kind of ignore all of the really dodgy yeah. stuff that's happening yeah and I don't think that that would have happened if it was a different no. level and I, I I do think you know I think like women's rights in a way sort of come into it as well because mm. this was there was a huge time for women and equality so if they wanted to go and live that life and do that. Why not? Why can't they? Mm. They can choose what they want to do. Like, yeah, for sure. It's, you know it's I mean? more autonomy. That's it. I'm, I'm all yeah. for, and I'm not judging anyone who wants to be a groupie, but these girls are very young and especially like Penny being 16, you just, there is that question of consent and whether or not they really can consent to that sort of relationship. And obviously it was very damaging for her because she went and tried to kill herself. Yeah. So and they never really touch on how old the band is. They look well into their late 20s, early 30s to me. Mm. Mm. And it just might be that Billy Crudup was looking really, really mangled at the time. But they all sort of looked about that age, I thought. Yeah. Um, you know, they, they were a lot older. They certainly were not in their early 20s. No, Even that would have not been okay. Yeah, yeah. I think one of the big moments, like one of the key moments where we see a bit more of the there's so much you know I guess female stuff to focus on with the band-aids but then like the inner turmoil in the band and this this sort of dynamic between the male characters and I think one of the big ones came out um when there was the big band fight about the t-shirts and yeah that's where you sort of start to see the tension of like it's obvious now you mm. see little glances and moments here and there. But, yeah, there's this whole 
thing happening between Jeff and Russell, really. It's a power struggle. Yeah, it's a power struggle. And and Jeff is extremely insecure. Basically, they get a T-shirt and Russell's right front and centre. Yeah. And everyone else is pushed back and kind of fuzzy. So there's this whole, well, no, I'm the front man. We agreed on this. Mm. You're the guitar with Mystique. Yeah. I'm the sexy front man. <laughs> but it's not, like, mean, it's not like Russell's even trying to be more no, no. than Jeff. It's just more that he just acts out a lot more, so gets a lot more attention that way. Yeah, yeah. And then he sort of, <laughs> I love, he does this thing where he's like, Russell's just like, it's just a T-shirt. Do you really care that much? And he like sort of looks at the other the other band members who are relatively quiet throughout the whole mm. movie. And the bass player, like just classic male, wants to avoid the confrontation. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Man, I'm just hungry. Can't we just go get some barbecue or something? <laughs> like, <Yeah. laughs> okay. No, like this is actually probably quite a serious, serious thing because yeah. they're meant to all be equal in this band. And let's talk about this because for the first time we have the opportunity to talk about it because it's right in front of us. Now nah, let's just go get barbecue. Yeah, exactly. exactly. Just that classic, I'm going to shut down, don't want to talk about my emotions. And yep. then the other end, the other side of it is Russell then just going, well, I'm going to leave the band. And they're like, oh, so predictable. So, yep. yeah, his response is, man, Tanty, leave the band. Drop a whole heap of acid. And Drop a whole heap of acid. <laughs> And then another classic scene, I am the golden god. (laughs) Great scene. Standing on the roof. Yeah. On acid. Yeah. So we've got Um, like the we've got like the uh battle for the manliest toxic masculinity relationship between Russell and Jeff. And we've got the whole um mother-son almost relationship between William and Russell. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I guess the other relationship is penny and william which is very sweet and you know what age appropriate <laughs> you know yeah. like they yeah. are probably yeah. the same age better. as each other but she is a lot more sophisticated and worldly obviously yeah, yeah. so you know she finds it i think um i think that she really likes him though it's just that he's just not in the same ballpark as her no we sort of see uh, a bit of the mind games that that dick is playing as well he comes to the rescue. I like to call this sort of scene the um, the bus of shame instead of the walk of shame. Yeah. Because he uh, gets picked up after his dropping acid. Oh, yeah. After it quitting the band and dropping acid and yep. being a golden god and jumping off the roof, Dick <laughs> comes in because his sitter, William, has called yep. for help and said, I've yep. got him. <laughs> taken a whole bunch of acid. That's a great scene too. He's yep. taken a whole bunch of acid. How do you know when it kicks in? um and dick's sort of carrying on and he's like they've been crying for you like a bunch of pussies referring to the rest of the band and it's not the first time that it's been mentioned that you know well dick was your friend russell and we hired him to be the manager but he's your friend and now look at all this stuff that's sort of happening so there's this sort of like favoritism thing happening and it's an ego stroke it's pure manipulation he just wants to get him back there that's all yeah he's saying what he needs to say to to win the situation so yeah yeah then you know we can't go past the famous us oh yeah the tiny dancer rendition yep very nice. Tony, Tony Danza, depending on what you're yeah. 
Um, brilliant scene made me love that song yeah I I do love that song yeah although because of that movie I loved it so much that I played it too much and now I'm like oh god don't I don't want to hear it again can't hear it anymore (laughs) but we end up I guess everything just implodes at the end though it really doesn't basically yeah yeah Yeah. and and, Um, it sort of has this um End of, yeah, Penny trying to kill herself, taking way too many quaaludes and having to have her stomach pumped and William just sort of realising that he is pissing with the big boys now. There's yeah. no real safety now anymore. Russell's gone off the deep end. Penny, who was there holding his hand the whole way, he's now looking after her. Yeah. I think that that's the point where he goes, right, this isn't fun anymore. I think I need yeah. to go home. I think one of the hardest scenes I think was actually seeing so you we mentioned earlier about the poker game and that was a really key scene so basically they're going to New York and that's where Leslie's going to be so Penny needs to go yeah because the real girlfriend's going to be there and this is I guess where you sort of really start to see a different side of Penny a more vulnerable side she did a really good job throughout the movie playing it cool like you know it's nothing the end serious. Of the day, she's just a having fun. year old girl in love. Yeah. And they are the most vulnerable. And also oh, William, Lord, yeah. William sees these guys for what they are too at that yeah. point. It's like, an important scene. It's sort of like that's the side of Russell where he knows, like even he feels shit for what they're doing to Penny Lane, even though it has it. to happen to save yeah. his ass. Yeah. Um, but he sees the look on William's face and he like pulls him to the side and says, you know, no, you know, Penny knows what it's about. Penny understands like this is, this is the world we're living in. But you see that again, that relationship between William, I guess like he's trying to protect him because he is so innocent and is so vulnerable in his own way as well. Yeah. Um, yeah. The next, the next scene, I guess, like before the climax is where, William's actually sort of harsh to Penny Lane, not because he wants to, but because she sort of pushes him and she, you know, she's going on, like he looks at her and she's like, if if any guy looked at me the way you looked at me in the real world. And he's like, what is this, you know, real world? Like he's at the point, like he's at breaking point because he cannot deal with Russell and Penny and his mum anymore. You know, he's like, I don't even know your real name. What is this real world? Like, you know, she tries to do this, you're too sweet for rock and roll. Um, And then starts like pushing him for information about Russell. Mm. And, you know, he just breaks and he's like, you know, he, what does she say? Oh, basically you you should be happy for me because you don't, you don't know what he says to me behind closed doors. And then that's when he's like, yeah, he actually sold you for sold you for fifty bucks and a carton of yeah. uh, fifty bucks and a carton of beer, and that's when she cries for like the first time and shows emotion. Yeah. But then pulls herself together very quickly, smiles, <laughs> and says, "What kind of beer?" Yeah. So, but like that was, I just felt so bad for William in that point. That was where I was sort of, I guess, a bit angry at her because she was pushing him, and that's not him, you know. Yeah. Yeah, so I think William will learn a lot on this journey. Oh, and, most definitely. You know, he does go home and and his mum doesn't kill him, which is nice. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I was kind of expecting her just to show up on tour at some stage and drag him off by his ear. Yeah, yeah, most definitely. Yeah, I think um, 
it's it's good that he went through it though because he could recognize when things were bad he could recognize when things weren't right we're in new york movie's coming to an end yep um leslie appears we see leslie let's be real leslie's boring yes but she's meant to be She's, she's meant to be. Like, she cannot compete with Penny. She, Penny no. is our heroine, so we yeah. can't have anyone as good yeah. as her. But, like, Leslie's boring. Yeah. I don't know why he's with Leslie. I don't, I don't know. Maybe it's, like, a childhood sweetheart thing. Yeah. Um, basically, they're at a bar. Penny's worked her way in, even against the advice of sort of William saying, don't come to New York. Yeah. Um, she shows up. Awkward scene. Leslie's like, who's that girl? Does anyone know her? She's giving me the creeps. And then everyone's like, she's oh, really yeah, she's with me. Like, literally everyone. Yeah. And, it's very, and like, she, Leslie's not an idiot. She knows exactly what's going on. Yeah. She tries to, like, move her along. And there's this very sort of this weird moment between, <laughs> like, she starts sort of making a scene from the, from the other side. Like, you don't know exactly what's going on, but you know that Dick's going, you need to go. And yeah. she's like, no, you're not telling me to go. And then William and Russell stand up at the same time and it's sort of this moment of like, well, who's going to go for her? Mm. Obviously, Russell doesn't end up going for her because Leslie's sitting right there. Yeah, exactly. Felt a little bit awkward for Leslie then. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> bit, bit weird. And I think this just highlights how destructive um, serious relationships while someone is, is very young and with someone much older, how damaged it can be to the younger person. Because, you know, like, like she said, like, you know, the things that he says to her behind closed doors in the pillow talk, and I'm sure he's promising her the world and really just yeah. setting her up to fall head over heels in love. And I've, you know, I've known people in this situation when I was at high school, you know, with an older guy and they mm. think the world of them and they're awesome, but they're really not awesome at all. No. Um, and it really just stuffs, the, stuffs you up for your proper adult relationships to, that do. Yeah. These things never have longevity. And yeah, I just feel like I just I just hoped that she when she because obviously at the end she goes back home as well. Um, mm-hmm. And I just hope that she can regain some of her childhood because that's what it is. It is her childhood still. Yeah. You know, yeah. and and just live a bit more of a, a so-called normal life. Yeah. Although I don't know what's ever going to compare to that sort of existence that she'd be mm. <laughs> living. Yeah. Um yeah William chases after her he finds her in the hotel room which he had sort of knew where she was staying previous to this and she's taken a bunch of quaaludes and she's alone like she all her band-aid friends are gone someone's gone to London someone's gone there someone's gone here I'm all alone and then there's just you know she's absolutely out of it he calls for help calls for a hotel doctor who comes up um, and they pump her stomach. But there's this scene where she just like, he's holding her, helping her stand up. And she's just like, why doesn't he love me? And she's crying. And I like, and actually relate to that because I have had those drunken, messed up moments as a young teenage girl. Hmm. Like, why doesn't he love me? And you don't even care, uh, you know, whether or not that love comes with conditions and strings yeah. attached. And you just want the love without. Yeah. You know, and you don't really care what else comes with it, which is, I mm. guess, why people stay in shitty relationships. Mm-hmm. Been there. Yeah. Um, I think a lot of childhood trauma, rejection from parents, grandparents, 
um, relationship breakdowns, all of those things that surround you as a child and they're not processed properly or you're not helped to process them come back and rear their ugly head in those early years of figuring out who you are yep. and in your first relationships. Um, and, yeah, rejection is hard when you've been rejected many times. Yes, exactly. It gets doesn't yeah. get any easier. No, no. So, yeah, then we have the end. We have the end of the movie. Yeah. Can we up. just touch, though, on the weird erotic vibe <laughs> that they had while she was getting her stomach pumped? Why did they have to make that sexual? Did they make it sexual? Did you not get that vibe? No. They played that, oh, Sherry Amor. And he's, like, looking at her legs while she's, like, moving them and oh no I did looking at her and smiling while she's getting it was weird yeah okay it was very weird and yeah I think maybe that just represents that no matter what she goes through and what she's doing he just loves her anyway yeah he doesn't think any worse of her for it so yeah she lives they walk they talk he learns everything about her yep so for the first time she has completely opened herself up to a man and told a boy a boy yeah. <laughs> and told them everything including her name lady goodman yep <laughs> what a name um, what did she change it yeah and then there's like this the heartbreaking scene <laughs> <laughs> at the airport where so she's it all just comes crashing down <laughs> it always just and then okay i told you new york was where everything sort of escalated and then yep. everything goes down from here um, and yeah, there's this moment where she's sitting in the plane and he's in the terminal because he's still got to continue on with Stillwater yeah. um, to finish his uh, article for the Rolling Stones. And he is like chasing the plane through the airport. And she's sort of like, you see this moment in her face where she realizes that this guy really cares about me and I really care about him. Mm. That's the vibe I got. And she's yep. like got her hand on the window and he's chasing. Oh, I don't know. It was just yeah. so heartbreaking. I was like, stop it. But the thing is though that, okay, so then after this, obviously he finally gets his his um, article and he gets to go home and she goes home. But I think it's really important because they lived in the same town apparently. Yeah. But they didn't end up together. And I think no. that's important too because it would have been not as genuine I think if they had have ended up together at the end no I think it had to not yeah. be that way because they, they were in different worlds they were completely different people and although they yeah. you know had a really lovely relationship and I, I do hope that they remain friends um yeah you know I just feel like they they brought something else to each other's lives rather than I don't think that it would have been right for Penny to go into a relationship with him without self-development yeah and I don't think it would have been right for William to go into a relationship with her without her doing what she needed to do, like both ways. Yeah, and also he needed to become a little bit more worldly, a little bit more grown yeah. up. Yeah. yeah. He was still quite sheltered, even though he'd been through a lot. <laughs> In such a short time. Yeah. The, I guess the, the climatic parts of the band, so... Back, back a ways a bit, they get um, a new band manager, basically. They sort of 
Dick's still around, but he's not the manager anymore. So they yeah. get this new guy on, which is actually Jimmy Fallon. Yes. Um, and he has got them a plane. So I think this is like the second scene. They're like, no, we always travel in Doris, which is the name mm. of their bus. Um, so, but, you know, they're moving up in the world. So they've got a plane now. So, they're, you know, going from place to place in a plane. So they're on their second plane trip and they hit an electrical storm. Um, oh, yes, and, the moment of, are we going to die? Yeah. Yeah. And all the truths come out. So the new manager tells everyone he's pretty much only just met them like I I was involved in a hit and run and I don't know whether he lived or died um, <laughs> the old manager is like you know basically admits to stealing like if I ever took some extra money it was because I thought I deserved it you guys are like family to me you know ever since my ex-wife left and then everyone was like yeah we slept with your wife uh, yeah. The drama was like, yeah, I slept with her too, but I waited till you were divorced. So you really start to see yeah. the relationships in the band, even more so. Like the band had already broken up once in the movie and then got back together. But and so you already knew there was all this anger and everything. Um, yeah. But it's really showing now. <laughs> and Jeff comes out and is like, I slept with Leslie. Leslie's like, what? <laughs> and then he announces that he loves Leslie. And then Russell gets on his high horse and starts carrying on about, you know, if we don't die, you're going to be dead anyway. And he's like, well, you were fucking that groupie mm. last summer through till now, um, you know, basically get off your high horse. And this is again, where you see a side of William that you hadn't seen before, where he's like that groupie basically puts yeah. them all in their place. You know, exactly. she nearly died last night. I was there. You weren't. Yeah, you um, don't actually care about her. Yeah. She's just basically, not she, yeah, she loved your band and you treated her like absolute shit. And oh, and then the drummer, <laughs> I'm <getting Right>. <laughs> And then the drummer, like, um, right before the plane, they get out of this electrical storm. They all think they're going to die, and they've all shared these stories and everything. Oh, they also absolutely rip into Russell and basically tear him a new one and the like. He deserves. You know? yeah yeah like get over yourself we actually don't fucking like you and yeah. at first you think it's just Jeff like no one loves you no one cares like you know you hold just that you you know you act as if you are something so special and that we're lucky that you stay and you don't quit the band and then the <laughs> then the the bass player in the background is like finally someone's speaking the truth <laughs> um yeah it was just a nice little yeah for for him um and then right before the plane decides not to crash the drummer is like fuck it I'm gay and everyone just sort of looks at him nothing wrong with being gay but obviously you know didn't expect that one and then you, the plane makes it and you can see him going god damn it I just kept my mouth shut a little longer so basically he goes to the rolling stone they find out how how old he is then they have to fact check the article and basically um, Russell and the whole band deny everything that he said. So the Rolling Stones are like, thanks for wasting our time. So he's gone on this whole journey and basically got screwed over. And now they, you know, in the industry, he's obviously going to be seen as a yeah. fraud and a liar. He happens to run into his sister and his sister is like, you know, yeah, you escaped mum. Let's, you know, I'm going to take off work. Remember, he hasn't seen his sister since he was like 11 years old when she left. So it's kind of a big deal. So they have this reunion and she's like, anywhere you want to go, we'll go. I'm taking time off work. He wants to go home and sleep yeah, in his own bed. Yeah, right, he does after all yeah. that. 
So he ends up back home and just crashes and the mum and the daughter reunite and it's actually nice and it's like it's sort of it's symbolic in a way because the movie ends where the movie started. Yeah. But they've all grown. The mum's, the, you know, you, the mum comes off as happier and slightly more relaxed, still, mm. still unhinged. Yeah. But she's got all of her, you know, she's got her family back together. And then we see the final twist where Penny. Yeah. She, he, well, Russell's trying to obviously hook back up with her. Yeah. Her. And says, you know, that he wants to see her. But I'm glad. I look good on her for having the strength and conviction in yeah. herself to not fall for that. Obviously, yeah. she has done a little bit of personal growth, but instead punks him and basically pretends that she gives him her address and gives yeah. William's address. Yeah, I had so much respect for Penny. I agree with what you were saying. Like, he puts it on. Like, he smooths it up. He puts on mm-hmm. the talk. He says all the stuff. All the things that any girl wants to hear, any 16-year-old girl wants to hear. I need to see you face-to-face. I'm never as good as when you're there. The way you look at me. um, Let's say all the things we never said. Give me your address. I'm coming to you this time. Blah, blah, blah. (laughs) So she goes, got a pen. Gives him the address and it's William's house. Yeah, which is really good because it kind of gives that relationship that they had closure because I think that for the first time, Russell sees that William is actually a kid. And, yeah. it, and it's because he's in his home with his family and, and there's those contexts around him yeah. that he kind of goes, oh, my God, I did actually pretty much screw over a kid. Like, what yeah. the hell? Mm-hmm. And it was nice because it kind of mended their relationship in the end. They have a bit of a talk yeah. with each other and, and everything, and it kind of wraps it up nicely. Um, yeah. And like I said, you don't get any of those cliche endings, you know. Penny doesn't end up with Russell and she doesn't end up with William either and everyone just sort of goes about their lives at the end of it having learned something. I think he sums it up, Russell sums it up perfectly where he, firstly, I like it because so earlier in the movie there was a scene where Russell in his drunken party state takes the phone off William and his oh, mother basically like... She gives him a massive serve. Gives him a massive <laughs> serve and tell him what's what. And, you know, you still have time to pull your life together. There's hope for you yet, <laughs> Russell. And then later on he's like, man, your mum really freaked me out. Yeah. <laughs> and, and then William's response person. is... Um, and he meets her in person right at the end. <laughs> yeah, she, she means well. So then he meets her in person. And at first he has no idea what's going on until he sees the pictures of William. So he's just thinking this is, is this Penny's mother or? Yeah. And because her response to him being at the door was like, oh, the famous Russell. Yeah. Um, yeah. And she just, yeah, I really liked that scene because. Yep. And then even like, you know, she's like, I knew that when I talked to you, that there was still hope for you and he sort of <laughs> smiles to himself yep. and then that finishes with him and he sits down I told Rolling Stone that everything you said was true whatever they do with it I don't know so you know he's made amends in that way yeah and then William sits up and is like all right and then he gets his recorder out and they do the interview that finally. they never got to do finally yep. and the little line that Russell says we both wanted to be with her and in the end she just wanted us to be together. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, which is so true. Yeah. <laughs> so 10 years down the track, 
What's Russell doing? Whoa. It's hard to imagine that he's not just like a total junkie. <laughs> I feel like he would have bought into Dick's bullshit about, you know, you're so much better than them. And then like maybe tried solo. tried to go solo. and Like then a whole David Lee Roth situation, I reckon. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Like, I yeah. think maybe. Oh, yeah. God, that was tragic, David Lee Roth. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think that maybe that would have been his part. Yep. I don't, relationship-wise, I don't. Oh, he ain't keeping a, a long-term relationship. He's too into himself, I think, yeah. to really care enough about anyone else, unless he gets some major, um, you know, self-development over the next few years maybe. Let's hope for him, but you know his type. I think he'd be ever forever chasing his penny lane. Yeah. Not, as in, not as in necessarily. Penny Lane, but his okay. Penny Lane, someone like her, um, that's someone who, you know, because I'm never as good as you, as, as I am when you're oh looking God, at it's me. All just words, though. So what about Penny? Where's she in 10 years' time? Uh, well, she did go to Morocco. Yeah, yeah, hopefully um, she gets to Morocco, yep. I hope that she learnt from her experiences. I, st- I hope that she is living a... Uh, free and happy life like she yeah. wants to and yeah. hasn't found she doesn't end up one of those people that just latches on to whatever dickhead's showing her attention at no. the time um yeah I hope that she stays friends with William as well not necessarily partners but friends I reckon they'll have a good friendship yeah I think so and what um, about our little William what's he doing oh he'll totally go to college but I don't think he'll be a lawyer I don't think he's going to be a lawyer he's not no, a lawyer. I reckon- He'll be a journalist, still be something like that. I think yeah. that this has taught him that um, there is a whole other world out there. But yeah, I, I liked it. I, I liked watching it again. I was happy to watch it again. I just, yeah, like I said, saw it through a different lens and saw a bit more negatives than I had when it when I first watched it. I think. Yeah, again, it was it was... grown up. <laughs> yeah, look, growing up sucks. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> look, it was very nostalgic for me yet again. Yeah, but I did see it slightly differently and my the things that I liked about the characters and disliked about the characters I feel like they changed a fair bit almost like they became opposite the things that I liked I now don't like and the things that I didn't like I now like I never actually really paid attention to the whole how old is Penny Lane so for me seeing her as a 16 year old yeah has now it means a lot it, it means it's something different at our age than it did back when we were teenagers oh most definitely just, you just know all of the connotations now yeah implications so but let's not ruin a lovely movie by talking about that anymore yeah, it was definitely <laughs> a good movie with a great soundtrack and it some was. very good characters with some good character development yeah definitely definitely mm. all right all righty well thanks for listening guys we'll see you again next time yeah we will thank you very much bye bye